invited to come and be hosts and guests and those who encourage. We just we just will look forward to seeing many of you here. Uh, secondly, uh, we're going to begin a lesson series in the evening, not long, uh, maybe about four lessons uh, on demonology. So if you are interested in that, well, be this evening we'll begin that lesson series. It is good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your presence. Uh, God is good all the time, isn't he? Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for being so good to us. For you are good all the time. Even the world acknowledges your greatness, those that know you and those that do not. Thank you, Lord God, for sending Jesus to die that we might live for your amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf, that you gave your only begotten Son. And Jesus, who came and sacrificed his life to live and to die for us, that we might be saved. We thank you forever for your goodness and for your kindness and for your mercy and for your grace. And we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray these things would be thy will. Amen. Genesis, please, chapter 1. We're going to continue our lesson uh, thought on the Tower of Babel. Last week we talked about many things they did. It, it seems so so wonderful and so great, but we talked about the fact that obviously the Bible makes it clear that it was it was wrong, but I didn't prove that. So today we're going to look at why everything they did, though it was in unity, was absolutely in error. It was wrong. Satan does want unity. But he wants it for all of the wrong reasons. And the Hebrews lacked humility. They lacked conformity to God. They arrogantly defied uh, and defiled God. I mean, they just ignored. They simply ignored the command of God. We uh, often will tell um, our children, you know, you, you get to the count of three. If I get to the count of three, then you're in trouble. One, and we'll start counting. You know, God told the Hebrews three times. To spread out. He told them three times. We'll begin in Genesis chapter 1, beginning verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, made him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the every living thing that moves on the earth. He tells them to fill the earth. So Adam and Eve are in the garden, and once they leave the garden, the command is still the same. Fill the earth. Genesis chapter 9. But they refused. Verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Verse 7. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. Chapter 11, verse 4. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. 
And let us make for ourselves a name, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Did they not know what God commanded? Of course they did. That was the whole objective that they set in order. We do not want to be scattered. So we're going to do two things. We're going to make a name for ourselves and we're going to make a city. It's interesting when we think of names. People say when it comes to religion, there's nothing in a name. There's nothing in a name. Brother, names are important. They are important to us and they are important to God. Just kind of a sidetrack. Genesis chapter 5 verses uh, 1 and verse 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day when God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and he blessed them and named them man. And the day when they were created, Adam, he named them Adam or he named them man. I don't know they wrestled necessarily with that. Maybe they did. They said, we need a name that, you know, our name, right? Genesis chapter 2. I mean, just to be called man or Adam, maybe that, that's just not good enough. Verse 20. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. Verse 22. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called womb man or woman because she was taken out of Man. Man. Just simple plan. Christian. Nothing more. Nothing less. The Church of Christ. Is there something in a name? Brethren. We know we have to call Bible things by Bible names. We have to follow the command of God. Look, here's what happens. When man becomes arrogant and thinks that we've got it figured out and God does not, trouble is on the way. They needed their own independence, right? In verse 4, they said, we want a name for ourselves. We don't need God any longer, right? Isn't that scary in Genesis 11 and verse 4? That's scary, To think about these people coming together in their own mind and deciding amongst themselves that we don't need to follow God's commands any longer. No, we we got this all figured out. We're going to break the yoke of bondage. You know, God has his thumb on us. God says, this is what you shall be called. This is where you shall be. I command you to scatter among the earth. This is who you are. We didn't, didn't like that. They, they didn't like that at all. So they began to construct this tower. And I, I want to look, I want to go to James chapter 4 for just a moment. Because I want to look at something in the New Testament just, just quickly. To you know, Every first day of the week, we come together to, to uh, remind ourselves, to proclaim, make a public proclamation, the Bible calls it, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose from the dead. We remember his death, his burial, his resurrection. We celebrate, we proclaim to the world that Jesus is coming back again. 
And we do this every single week. Do you know why we do it every single week, brethren? Well, number one, it's a command. Number two, we forget. We forget. We forget so quickly that it's amazing how far away from God we will find ourselves if we continue to forget. So God said, every week I want you to come together and proclaim, remind yourselves of your purpose in life. We forget. You know what else we forget? We also forget who's in control. I mean, think about this in all honesty. How many plans do we make and we just don't think about God? I mean, we would never say that. We would never say, God, I'm making all these plans, but I'm not thinking about you. But in reality, we forget every single day who's in charge. I mean, we kind of know who's in charge, but do we really honestly and truly think about who's in charge? James 4, verse 13. Come now you who say to today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. When you made your plans today, did you say, well, if it's God's will, or did you just make plans? You know, tomorrow, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, this. Next weekend, we're going to do this, this, and this. Next weekend might not arrive. And we might be, it could arrive, and then we not be in it. Or, or we not be capable or able. So, so James is telling these folks who have forgotten and made all the plans about life that life may go on, but you might not be there. Verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does it not to him, it is sin. Arrogance. God calls it arrogance. Do we forget? Do we forget that Next year, brother, it might not come. Tomorrow, the next hour, the next minute, Jesus could come back. If it's God's will, we shall do this or that. We too struggle with the arrogance like in Genesis chapter 11. They were arrogant. Look at what they did. Go back to Genesis chapter 11. And let's think about what they were doing. They were building a tower. And this tower they built and they were constructing. Remember how tall they thought? They said, well, we're going to build this thing all the way to heaven. Wait. We're going to do what? It shows you that lack of knowledge. You know, how high can you go up before you start dealing with atmospheric issues? We're going to build it all the way up to heaven. And the humor is that God came down to see the city. That's the humor in it, right? That God had to come down from heaven to look at it. In verse 7, it says, Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them from abroad, from over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. What was their plan? What was their arrogant plan? We're going to build a city and a tower, a tower that's going to reach 
into heaven. And God came down and completely stopped the plan. They did not seek God out, did they? It goes on in verse 9. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. God scattered them. All this is coming to a, a point. Genesis chapter 10, please. So we have nations and languages. I want you to keep in mind that they're one big family, right? If, if your family, if your family members speak a different language, are they still your family? I think so, right? Still your family. If your biological family speaks a different language, are they still your family? Yeah. All right, I'm going to come back and grab that in just a moment. So Peleg, the word actually means, let's go look at it, verse 25. It means division. Genesis 10 and verse 25. And two sons were born to Eber. The name of the one was Peleg. For in his days the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan. Peleg. From, from a, if you, you follow this genealogical trail, you, you'll find that it's about, it's about 100 years after the flood. About that. I mean, it could be it's, it's a little bit more, a little bit less. Okay, let me think back for just a moment. In history, if we don't learn from history, we're in trouble. If we don't remind ourselves about the historical value of life, brethren, we we are in trouble. They refused to follow the command of God in Genesis 6, about 100 years ago. God sent a flood. And it destroyed the whole world. And these descendants, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, part of Noah's family, their, their family, they were on the ark. And it didn't take long before they had forgotten what God did to a disobedient people. And it wasn't long ago. We forget we forget so easily, so often, scary. Brethren, we, we got to remember history. Remember the mistakes that you made. Don't do that anymore. Remember the mistakes that our ancestors made. Don't do that anymore. Remember the mistakes the church made. Don't do that anymore. History. Is a great teacher. They forgot. Now they're divided. Verse 32 of Genesis chapter 10. They're divided. These are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies by their nations. And out of these nations were separated on the earth after the flood. The languages. Now we have different nations, but they're still what? one family. I'm still coming back to that in just a moment. Different languages, but they're one family. Verse 1, Genesis 10. Now these are the records of the generation of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons 
of Noah, sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, and Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshach, and Tyrus. And the sons of Gomer were um, Ash, Ashkenaz, and Repha, and Togarmah. And the sons of Javan were Elisha, and Tarshish, and Katim, and Dodanim. For these, from these the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands. Every one according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Every time that humans decide to exchange God's law for sin, forsaking the command of God, and do things then our own way. Life gets messy. I mean, it gets so messy that trouble and evil will increase. In same chapter, chapter 10, look back at verse 15. Listen to how familiar these names, these places, these nations are. And Canaan... Canaanites. What happened in Canaan? How evil were the Canaanites? And Canaan became the father of Sidon and his firstborn and Heth. And the Jebusite hmm, and the Amorite and the Girgashite. This is all trouble. And the Hivite and the Archite, and the Sinite, and the Arvidite, and the Zimmerite, and the Hamathite, and afterwards the families of the Canaanite were spread abroad. And the territory of the Canaanite extended from Sidon as you go toward Gera, as far as Gaza as you go toward Sodom and Gomorrah. And Edma and Zeboim, as far as Lacia. Trouble. You know, the promise, the promise to Abram was when, when you go, your, your, your family, your generations, when generation, 400 years are going to be, 400 years are going to be in, going to be in slavery. And he talks about the sin of the Amorite not yet being complete. And the Amorite and the Jebusite, all these Canaanites, all of these people would be so evil that God would destroy their entire land and their nation. Every time that humans decide to exchange God's law, God's command, for another, for something that we come up with in our own minds, you can know that trouble is on its way. Genesis 11, there's the scattering, the Tower of Babel. Just three chapters later in Genesis chapter 14, family, family goes to war. They begin to kill each other. Wow. That's my family. They go to war. I'm going to kill my family. 
Brethren, history is powerful. See, Satan does not ever intend for our good. He always intends for our evil. And something that felt so good and looked so good, it was wonderful building the tower. They were united in every way, and yet Satan had a plan to destroy them. And brethren, I'll tell you, when we, when you think about things outside of God, that maybe it feels so good and it looks so good and it's satisfying to the mind, to the flesh, to the soul, watch out. It could kill us spiritually. It could kill us physically. But do we think about that? Or do we arrogantly say, eh, I'm in control. Today or tomorrow, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. And forget about our God. So Jesus says, every first day of the week, I need you to do this in remembrance of me. Genesis chapter 9, please. They lack reliability. The command of God was, was, you know, I don't want to call it a simple command, but it was a command of God to be followed. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Verse 1. I mean, you can't read it too many times, right? God said to them, He blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God gave them the ability to do as He commanded. He blessed them and multiplied them and they were fruitful. In other words, they were all right. First Samuel chapter 15. They lacked conformity to the will of God. You know, that's the idea of doing what God says, like God says. Have you ever questioned worship? Have you ever thought, you know, there are some things we could do different in worship, differently. We could, we could do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then I ask you, would that, would that put us in conformity with God or defiance against God? You ever thought, oh, you know, we need to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You ever thought or heard of just the idea that, that maybe we ought to, whenever we neglect the command of God, negate the command of God, go contrary to the command of God to appease ourselves, trouble is near. You know what we forget sometimes? We forget. I forget it sometimes to remind myself. You know, this whole thing that's called worship is God-ordained, which means it's got to be done His way. Conformity, right? We must conform to the will of God. Now, this is what happened. Saul was sent on a mission. He was sent on a mission to go to the Amalekites, to destroy them because of their wickedness and their evil, and because they declared war. And God said, I want you to go to the Amalekites and wipe them out and do not spare them. And yet... They walked away from the command of God for something that felt pretty good. You know, those kings were pretty decent people. Verse 22, it says, Samuel said, speaking to Saul, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. To obey God is better than any sacrifice we could ever give to him. They decided we're not going to obey God. 
Because we, I want to go back to Genesis chapter 11 and close this out. Because we have a better idea. We know what God wants, don't we? We know what God wants. God wants whatever I want. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, I like this, so God likes it, right? I'm not sure that's true. Family. Families went to war. They arrogantly defied the living God because their attitudes, their attitudes were, maybe you've heard this before, I can do whatever I want. You ever heard that? If you haven't heard it, then you said it. (laughs) I can do whatever I want. No, we cannot, brother. No, we cannot. The world cannot. No, we cannot. There are boundaries. And God has set those boundaries. Though man chooses to violate those boundaries, we will never escape our sins. We cannot do whatever we want. Here was the problem. Verse 4. And they said, Come, let us build for our selves a city in a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us. Why'd you take that down? <laughs> Put that back up there. I want them to see this with me. Let us, thank you. Let us make a name for ourselves in a name lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And guess who's missing in that verse? God. Let us. We ourselves. Let us. We ourselves. Brethren, let us, we ourselves, follow the commands of the living God. Should God's commands be taken seriously? We have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Someone says, don't talk about hell. We have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I want to tell you one quick um, event that happened. We were in preaching school, and and there was a, a young uh, preacher, and he was going to, to try out at a preaching school and a job rather, and uh, very young. And, and the, the elders they gave him three topics they did not want him to talk about, and he was struggling with that because he thought, well, what, what, what do I do? And it's, well, let's, you know, you got to understand. Maybe there's some, there's some wisdom in it. Maybe maybe there's some folks they're working with, and so you don't want to talk about that subject because they're working with those people. And uh, and then then maybe on the other hand, you know, they're just telling you they don't want to hear it. I don't know which one. You need to go find out. And then you know, if they don't want you to talk about that, then okay, fair enough, right? Kind of. Well, guess what he found out? No, they weren't working with the people. They just didn't want to hear about homosexuality, hell, and I forgot the third subject. And so he said, he came back to school and he said, I don't know, they just don't want to hear about it. And he says, well, I don't know what to preach about. And I said, they just gave you three choices. Pick one. We must obey God rather than man, right? Listen, the commandment of God is 
critical to our spirituality and to our lives. And, not, and our elders would not do that. But the point of the matter is, is that, brethren, let's not pick and choose religion. Let's not pick and choose spirituality. Let's not, let's not let the we and the us get in the way of our service to God. Right? So I'm praising God this morning for our worship and spirit and truth. I'm praising God. I pray God will never change because God doesn't change. And this morning as you are here, I praise God for your presence this morning. I pray God for your continual uh, encouragement, for your continual uh, faithfulness to God, and that it will increase, that it will increase, and we will increase spiritually and increase in number numerically, and that we will increase in our attendance, and we will increase in every way. We cannot do that unless we do it God's way. Everything has to be done God's way. And this morning, if you are not a child of God, we encourage you to become a child of God, God's way. Right? There's only one way to become a child of God. And it's clear. It's in the scriptures. He says you hear the word and you believe it. You have godly sorrow. Right? You change your heart. In other words, you can't believe something you haven't heard. And then when you hear it, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with it. Godly sorrow. I'm either going to change or not. Right? Then you can follow this conclusion. You go to a confession. I believe Jesus is the Son of the living God. You make the confession. It all just, it just follows so, so plainly, so logically. And then you surrender to God and you give your life to Jesus. And you surrender to the waters of baptism. And you allow God to do his work on you where he washes your sins away, gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, adds you to the church of Christ. And then you're a Christian forever. Someone said, well, you're not a Christian forever. Well, yes, you are. You're a Christian forever. I didn't say once saved, always saved. I said you're a Christian forever. We'll be judged as Christians. So if there's something in your life and you found that we and us and ourselves, that I've gotten in the way of my soul's salvation, maybe you ought to repent and be the man of God and the woman that God wants you to be. If we can help this morning in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?